0: Welcome to the always on podcast. I'm your host, Duncan McPherson with Pareto systems. And on this podcast, our objective is to enable our audience, which are high caliber fee for service professionals to always be working on their business and on themselves personally and professionally. And on today's podcast, I had an incredible conversation with Ted Jenkin. Ted is one of the most innovative financial professionals I've ever interacted with. He's a serial entrepreneur. And on this episode, we talked about how to maximize an exit strategy as a financial professional. Add fulfillment to your life's work. Make sure you get it right. Leaves no stone unturned. I think you'll find it to be very helpful. And if you do please like and share and tell your colleagues. And if you have any ideas for topics that you'd like to hear in the future, just let us know. Thanks for listening. Very excited to have this conversation with the returning guest, Ted Jenkin. For those of you who are not familiar with Ted, he is probably the most or definitely one of the most innovative financial professionals I've ever met in my close to 30 years of working in this space. And when I say innovative, I'm not just referring to his core competency as a financial professional. Although I'm pretty sure, Ted, you were one of the first or at least a very early adopter to start outsourcing some of the things that were commoditized, going further into advisory and uh, then going deeper into practice management, relationship management and branding. Ted is a very familiar uh, voice and face in mainstream media on Fox. He's uh, constantly invited to chime in with his commentary. And one of the things I respect the most about Ted is that he created a niche, a target market of attracting first-generation self-made affluence, but also speaking to the next generation, too, to prepare them For when that money goes into motion. And then, lastly, Ted, his next chapter is consulting with financial professionals to help them maximize their own personal liquidity event. And, Ted, you have such credibility there because you went through that exercise yourself. You took some chips off the table, and not only did you uh, maximize that outcome, but rejuvenated your calling as a financial professional. So, that's my intro for Ted. Ted, thanks for being here.
1: Yeah, thanks for having me on today. And it's funny you talk about trying to be innovative. We're going into uh, February and we're going to be trying a little marketing campaign, Duncan, called Pay It Forward February. And uh, I said, "You wanna, You want this is a year that people want to talk about everything that's going on. When you're in Starbucks or Dunkin' Donuts or wherever it may be, as long as you don't break the bank, pay it forward, pay for the meal, and then ask them one question. How do you think the economy is doing and how is your personal economy doing and see if you can't pick up a client over the next month just by paying it forward? That's such a great initiative.
0: And incidentally, everybody, Ted is an essential follow on LinkedIn, uh, not only because of his commentary, but also he lets you in to see about uh, regarding the culture that he creates with his team and the fun that they have. I got to tell you this, this just happened, Ted. Ted. I do like to pay it forward. It's generally pretty quiet and anonymous, but, uh, I was in a store, I was in a hurry. I got behind, uh, a lady, an elderly lady who is not in a hurry. (laughs) And, uh, you know, I'm looking at my watch and I'm like, I gotta get going. Like, do you know how important I think I am? Like, I mean, come on. (laughs) And I'm saying all this to myself. And I could just see her struggling and then came to pay for her bill and she couldn't find her debit card. Wow. So I just said to the cashier, I said, let me, just let me do this. And she said, no. And I said, just let me do it. And I tapped and the lady behind me in line just dumbfounded the cashier dumbfounded. But the elderly lady, (laughs) she looked at me and she said, why would you do that? I'm a silly old lady. And I said, I think you're awesome. She goes, I'm going to pay it forward. I'm going to do some good today. And I said, I know you are. And she said, how could you know that? And I said, I just know things. <laughs> it was such a profound. And I, I said to her, I said, I feel better than you do. And the impact, you just don't know who's watching. And I mean, there's a fair degree of hardship and... uh division and uh just all kinds of different weird energy out there and if you can just be the light it's so good but you know ted i see you on linkedin all the time and i just love what you've created and um i want to talk a lot about the end game for a financial advisor making the most out of their life's work when they approach that liquidity event and some of the dynamics that go into that can we just start with a bit of a recap? Because as I said, you're a returning guest. Just right off the top, what are some of the key factors that a financial professional needs to fixate on to drive their enterprise value? Just right off the top.
1: Well, the number one thing that most folks should be thinking about are these two words, recurring revenue. Because quite frankly, it doesn't mean that if you're in the annuity business and you're you're selling big commissions from dinner seminars, or you do big life insurance business, those are all great for taking care of clients. But when you think about enterprise value, the number one thing you need to be thinking about is recurring revenue. Now, however that happens, Duncan, the more of it that you have, the more valuable your practice uh, becomes. Number two, you hear this term, but a lot of advisors, Duncan, don't really work with a lot of business owners. So when they hear the terms EBOC or EBITDA, we're not really in the "duh" category because we don't have depreciation and amortization, but EBIT or net cash flow is a very important number. And let me remind everybody: it's net cash flow after you pay yourself a salary. And the reason that that's important is that if you were gone tomorrow, most business owners, let alone financial advisors, don't think about the fact that somebody's going to still have to run the business, and there has to be compensation baked into the overall financial model. To make sure that somebody can still run the business and serve your clients you would want that anyway and then i'm going to give you two more number three marketing engine make a choice between marketing or doing wealth management there really is no choice buyers out there at every level care more about your ability to grow top line kager compound compound annual growth rate than they do whether or not you can beat warren buffett and by the way even if you can beat warren buffett nobody cares It's not going to make a differentiator uh, over the long term. And then the last thing is, do you have a successor? Your value could actually go up that there is a generation two successor, whether or not you're ready to leave. A lot of these purchases are sale and stay, not a sale and go, but someday you're going to want to go. And knowing that the business will be sticky because you have a team ready to go to service those clients over the long term. All of those things, as a recap, are very important for enterprise value. Yeah, terrific. Great uh, walkthrough.
0: And just to recap again, to be crystal clear, Ted is still a financial professional. He is a thought leader in the financial services space. But Ted also now has a consulting firm that empowers financial professionals to methodically work through a process so they can maximize their enterprise value. So I'm planting that seed. If anybody listening in is a year three years, five years out from
1: thinking about their exit strategy, then you should consider getting to know Ted a little bit better. Yeah. Duncan, think about this. I mean, you know, we, we've had some of these conversations about this, but I'm, I'm blown away and you as financial professionals would never give this your advice to a client. Client comes to you and says, Oh, by the way, I own an accounting firm and uh, there's like a guy down the hallway who's thinking about buying my business, by the way, he's never done a deal doesn't know how to construct a deal, but I'm thinking about working out a deal with him. What do you think? You, in every ounce of energy you had in your body would say, don't do that. Okay, well, I got a better idea. There's like some third party website where I can list my practice and 97 Johnny and Joes are gonna randomly bid on my practice. What do you think about that? Terrible idea. You know, the businesses that accrete the most value over time, have representation, and they're generally in the family office, capital markets, private equity sleeves. You see it every single day. Duncan, I saw this week, Built Rewards, which is a growing credit card program to help renters be able to get equity. They've got 20 million of revenue, but they just got valued at 3.1 billion. And a lot of people go, how's that possible that it could get 150 times revenue? I say, that's the capital markets, built rewards and go down the hallway and say, hey, Duncan, you want to buy 11% of my company? You know, that's, that's not how you accrete value.
0: Very good distinctions there. Let's talk about this for a second around what is proprietary, because in the beginning, you were talking about that distinction between being transactional, which can drive your own income, but being directional around building something that has value, both in terms of recurring revenue, and enterprise value and i think what observation you made very early on was just focusing on what's proprietary to a financial professional sometimes you're thought-provoking sometimes you're controversial but not fixating solely on technical ability is a key factor because that's not proprietary what what is proprietary to a financial professional?
1: Yeah, I'm glad you asked that question because I could give you the entire bucket of what's not proprietary and it fills almost everything. Really, here's the thing. If you can develop a lead generation engine, right, which, by the way, the reason that marketing is the highest paid job in America, probably in Canada as well, or anywhere around the world is because it's the hardest thing to do to bring in new clients. So for, for decades since I've been in this business, advisors are always looking for the silver bullet. Oh, I heard of dinner seminars. Uh, oh, I heard of, you, you do lunch and learns. Oh, I heard you go to smart ass and get leads. If you're buying leads, it's not proprietary, right? If you can figure out a way to generate a system to prove that you can bring in new AUM every year, that is super valuable. All the other stuff, oh uh, we 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 have a better way that we analyze stock options nobody cares oh we have a better way that we we manage money nobody cares these are things that i'm sorry i don't want to burst anybody's bubble yes i mean you might be great at charting and you can tell me when gold is going to hit three thousand dollars an ounce or whatever it is but in the end think about what buyers really buy in any kind of business they buy systems they buy processes they buy procedures, but what they want are machines that continue to grow. Why would I dump my capital in something that can't grow? you right. That makes it worth less money. I want something that's going to grow faster. So look, I could say this on so blue in the face, but <clears throat> it's, it's really your focus as an advisor it should be on marketing and sales systems and then making sure your operations are, are streamlined. So I caught that right. Predictable, sustainable,
0: and duplicable, meaning it's not reliant just on the advisor. The code has been cracked in terms of how to consistently
1: attract and keep great clients. Yes. And I will say, because I know that that you preach this when, when you all coach people about finding your ideal client. If you are able to develop a niche, and again, just like medical professionals, a niche surgeon is going to make a lot more than a generalist always but if you can have a niche oh we only do anesthesiologist, or you know i only cover this and you can have the discipline to build your business by sticking to that niche while you build it that can add value because you can literally create a market right and that allows other companies to bolt on potentially other companies that do what you do and scale it quicker okay so let's let's shift
0: to this and build, these are the things that separate
1: somebody who gets three X for their business versus eight X. Yeah. Yeah. There's no doubt. I think I got more from my business over time because when we sold our average client age was 49. If your average client age is 75, you basically have a dying leaking tire. That's what you have. Mm-hmm. Right. If my average is at 49, I'm still in the peak years of them saving and growing assets. Because again, what is this about? Predictable, recurring revenue, more new AUM, <clears throat> and the assets sticking. That is what's valuable. I'd like your input on this. I'm not sure if you've uh, gone down
0: this path, but uh, I'm talking to a lot of advisors right now about how to shift from being a generalist to a specialist. To narrowcast instead of broadcast and to embrace AI. You know, when you, when you go into Chat GPT and say, summarize the millionaire next door for me in five key points. Two seconds. It's not a search pulling something that yeah. exists. It's formulating machine learning this output. You can if you decide to narrow cast self-made first-generation business owners, what are their unmet needs? What are their aspirations? You can start to formulate your messaging to start that narrow casting. And, and you made a very good point. Having the discipline doesn't mean you have to paint yourself into a corner, but seeing that through to the inflection point, that's part of what takes someone from 3X to 8X is having that that approach.
1: Yeah. I mean, th- there's no question about it. You know, the, the the ability to prove that you can create ongoing, sustainable, predictable revenue. If you've got a market, you have to think about this is true about any business. If the barrier for entry is high, it's worth more. So you being a financial advisor and you manage 300 million, great, right? That's hard to get there. I recognize that. I did it, right? But you getting 300 million and all you serve as anesthesiologist, harder, harder to do that and when you do it it's going to be worth more money than a 3x because someone's going to say you know what it would take for us to get into that market be so difficult so we might as well just buy it and that happens in every kind of business right but the the harder the barrier of entry i know this duncan i can tell you it's funny you mentioned chat gpt because what did i know about being a, a an agent right an exit consultant i was an advisor for 30 years So I started doing businesses that were non-financial businesses as well. I've sold an overhead door company now, a uniforms company. I'm representing a company now that literally sells whippets, like little nitrous oxide cartridges. What do I know about nitrous oxide cartridges? Nothing, zero. You know what I do know about? I knew how to use ChatGPT to start writing an article for me every single day about being the best exit consultant in the country and things that people should be thinking about I already have more leads than I can handle for selling these businesses. I, what, what do I know about it? There, are, there are folks that have been doing this for thirty years. I'm going to eclipse their revenue so quickly because I'm a better marketer, not because necessarily I'm a better agent. Although I think we do a good job, but but I'm a better marketer. So when I met you
0: prior to your exit, sell and stay. Yeah, uh, you were you were very impressive, very innovative. You're the next version of yourself now. Since you 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 know you yeah. went through your exit, you found another gear in terms of innovation. Just spend a moment on that, just the qualitative
1: rejuvenation around your yeah. life's work and your calling. I mean, so I, I wish I had learned this a little bit earlier in my career, and some advisors probably did it better than I did. But in the end, you really need to do to keep this business fresh. You really need to think about maybe the one or two things you love to do and either hire or outsource the rest. Simple. I loved marketing, and I love the thrill of the initial sale, that, that kill, if you will, of being able to move $5 million for somebody and getting the application signed. Everything else, I'd rather have a sharp stick in my eye. So I, I don't want to do any of it. So you know, I wish I had learned that earlier. As I built other businesses that I've been involved with, I realized I don't need to be the face of the company. I don't need to I don't I don't need to be servicing the people how my doctor comes in for like four minutes, shakes my hand, asks me a fake question about how my family's doing, and then they leave. And that's basically what it is. And you know what? It's fine. It's fine. You know, they see, but they're brilliant at how they run that model. And so I think, you know, if you really love money management, great, you should do it. Just realize it's gonna be hard to make a million bucks. It really is. It's not the way money's paid, not for technical skills. It's paid for marketing and sales and entrepreneurial skills. That's how money's paid. Once you realize that, then you can adjust behavior. Okay.
0: So everybody, I hope you're keying in on that qualitative uh, outcome. If you go through a sell and stay exit Uh, You get to find another gear in terms of your own relevance and thought leadership and chat GPT in terms of creating
1: content has been invaluable for you. So, so Duncan, the one thing we can put this in here and I'll get you all the link, but on Google Chrome, they have an extension. It's called AI, P as in Paul, R as in Robert, M as in Mary, AI PRM. And for about 50 bucks a month, you get this extension that plugs into Chat GPT, and it literally gives you boxes asking you what you're looking for. Write me a YouTube script, create me an optimized SEO article, write a book, whatever it is. And so I used to write two or three blogs a week for 10 years. Oh, it was torture. Now in my new businesses, I have Chat GPT write the general article and then I just, you know, slightly wordsmith it out for what makes sense for me and anybody that's on here saying i don't have the time to do that and you're not using ai you are you are missing i mean the carnival cruise of a lifetime if you're going to have one like that you know it's it, it you're just missing it because you can you can literally not have to work and these ai systems i use a, a system called jasper as well and i use veed for for video editing veed you don't really need to do much it'll 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 take care of all of it so there's no excuses even for the solo practitioner that's out there to not be churning out content no excuses at all well said and not only from the practical
0: deployment perspective it is a fascinating study like i have been studying the quantum components tied to open ai you look at ibm uh, and the qubit dynamics and, and where this is all going as, as a financial professional, I don't know if you noticed that, um, I, if I remember correctly, I think Google is laying off about 12,000 people from their legacy business. I might have that number wrong, but you got to imagine that they're going into Web 3.0 and uh, yeah. into that domain a whole lot more deeply. So fascinating study, but non-optional. And the way we position it, Ted, is that, AI will put five to 10 hours of sand back into your hourglass every week if no it's, if it's uh, adopted properly. Um, I wanted to ask you this uh, because I know a number of the teams that you've worked with to help them engineer and maximize their exit were north of or just south of about 500 million in AUM. But now you're starting to see advisors on the smaller side 80 million, 120 million. What what does that look like?
1: So I love this industry and I'm always looking to disrupt it. And so I'm going to try to disrupt what FP transitions, succession link, and APBOE are doing because typically, unless an advisor has a succession plan with another advisor, they may go to one of those platforms to put it on the market and see if they could sell their business. I now, for sub $100 million advisors, let's say you're managing 70 million, and I'm gonna keep this simple, you're doing 700,000 of revenue. I have 11 buyers that will guarantee 4X. I want you to think about what I just said, everybody. You do 50 million of assets, you do 500,000 of production, 500,000 of revenue, Duncan, I will get you 2 million. I say it on here loud and proud, Well, I'll tell you how to get get to me. And by the way, if you want to stay, you can get paid to stay after that. If you're ready to go, then you can go. But there is no way you're going down the block, down the hallway and getting Forex. And if you put on an FP transitions or succession link, no way you're getting Forex. If anything, you're going to have five weird deals that you can't quite make sense, heads or tails, because most advisors are going to try to buy you out of cash flow. So... That I'm seeing so much right now. We weren't really in that market, Duncan, but more and more. I mean, we with the last month, we probably got 10 leads of advisors sub 100 million like, hey, I heard you could get this deal done at 4x. I want to do it. And as part of the value prop there, just to, for that advisor
0: to de-risk based on the volatility and the storm of uncertainty in the future, just to enable them to take some chips off the table so that they can immerse themselves more deeply into the things they love. Is that is that the yeah. hook there?
1: There are a lot of advisors out there that might be you know, 60, 65 years old. And they're like, yeah, I want to work another two, three years, but I don't know who I'm going to sell to yet. In this case, you could sell, get paid your x. It's all cap gains and then maybe you get a 30% payout and you're still getting paid to run your book as long as you want but you've completely de-risked, right? You know what happens if you became disabled or god forbid something happened to you or you know you end up trying to work it out with another advisor which what are they going to do? Try to beat you down on price. I'm I'm these are all pre-negotiated deals, Duncan. We're not we're not trying to negotiate a deal. We've negotiated the deals. That's the change in the marketplace is to take the wonkiness out of this out of this whole deal making about the value of the practice. And I'm setting the market as to what the value is. I'm telling you what it is. It's 4x. We'll get it done. No questions asked. 50% up front, 25 at the end of year one, and 25 at the end of year two. Within two years, you get all of your cash. You find me, you find me someone listening to this podcast today where you're going to get that deal. You show it to me. I have it lined up already. Hey everybody, this is Ted Jenkins, and you're listening to Duncan McPherson. With the Always On podcast, and we've been talking a whole bunch about how to sell these practices. And my friends over at JPTD Partners put together an advisor checklist for those of you that are ready five years, three years, just one year out. This is the ultimate checklist to help you get ready to sell your practice for maximum value. Did you think you could get it for four times, five times, six times the current revenue? Check it out. Go to jptdpartners.com. My friends are over there, they'll help you out. Duncan, let me say one more thing on here, because we probably talked about this once, but if you're 50 years old and you're listening to this podcast, here's one of the biggest things I hear. You know, I'm gonna be doing this uh, until I die in a box, or I'm gonna be doing this for the next 15 years. Great. Here's, here's a thought for you. Have you ever looked at how fast private equity stock grows and how fast your stock grows? If I asked 10 out of 10 advisors, Tell me how much the stock of your company has grown in the last five years. Zero out of 10 could tell me. Now, they could say, oh, my practice grew from a half million of revenue, and I'm now doing 900000 Not what I asked. I asked, what did your stock grow by? Not your revenue. They can't answer it. Because what you need to be thinking about is that, let's say the value of your stock was a 4X, if you sold and you were still, still working just as you are today and you swap stock with a company whose train is moving faster, does your train leaving from Chicago move faster than mine coming from LA? And advisors have not really done the math. I'm telling you if they did, we'd see a lot more of these deals because they just haven't put together how... Real wealth is created. I really, I really feel that, Duncan. I didn't do it till I got into it five years ago and I sold mine. But if you did and you really put on your financial advisor hat and you were really advising yourself, you would sign every time. So, you over those five years have assembled a
0: network of buyers, uh, created an outline and a protocol for the transaction. And then through the lens of the seller, gotten creative in terms of how to maximize it, not just up front, but
1: while they're involved? We have almost 100 buyers now, Duncan, 100 buyers, and none of them are dealing with Live Oak Bank or, you know, trying to get financing from their local community bank. We're talking about people that have cold, hard cash or stock, depending upon what you want. You know, you would know a bunch of these names for everyone that's listening because you could just read Barron's top 100 RIAs, Almost all of them are in acquisition mode, but then there's going to be some family offices that are out there that you never heard of before. That they're they're com- they're billionaire families that want to be in our business, and then there are some private equity companies that you know the way they want to get into our business is to buy a three billion dollar firm, and they're going to pay more because the barrier of entry is hard. So you know it it is not going to slow down. It has zero to do with interest rates. There's just a race right now for companies to get bigger and bigger just the way that it is. Okay, so we're talking a lot about the upfront. Let's talk about
0: the back office and some of the things people need to consider in terms of getting their house in order to put the odds in their favor. Do you want to get into some of the HR and the legal parameters? (laughs) Yeah,
1: so listen, you know, if you are in a practice and you have anybody who works for you who's at a 1099, the movie for your practice should be called The Kiss of Death because it is it is a horrific idea to have a 1099 working your practice. But wait, Ted, it's cheaper. I don't have to pay payroll tax. I don't have to do this. The, the thing of it is, is that nobody that has real money is gonna buy you when you have a 1099. Because when it gets down to the legal contractual nature, they're gonna say, who owns the clients? Well, I do. They work for Cornerstone Wealth Management. No, you don't. No, you don't. If you have a 1099 that works for you, they own the clients, right? They're the ones with the relationships. So make everybody a W-2 in your business. It's going to be so much easier. If you want to work out a stock plan for them in your business, as most owners do, stock options, stock at sale, phantom stock, however you do it, then do it. By the way, if you have an OSJ, even worse, then you own a lot of nothing congratulations that you built a model where you get a 10 percent override on everybody who works for you one you don't own the clients and think about it you don't even really own the override if they leave what do you got what do you got so what osjs do is they just try to figure out ways to put knee hooks into people as opposed to creating more creative structures which can be done legally ethically morally to get those people their their highest value and get you value on the override stream but 1099s kiss of death duncan no books or bad books kiss of death i don't care if you put your son and daughter on your payroll you got your maserati on payroll you got your country club dues look i'm not the irs but you got to be able to explain to somebody what the hell is happening in your company where's the top line revenue coming from what do the expenses look like because they're smart they realize everybody fudges somewhere i'm not saying anybody does it but i think most of you probably fudge somewhere in your So let's get down to really what it is. So I might recommend, number one, have a set of books. And then two, you might want to keep a set of books that are the real books that you show the IRS, let's say, and then a set of books as to what the real cash flow is in the business. The more the more that you're organized with that, the easier it is to be sell your business. Okay. So you cover
0: a lot of ground, front, back, and everywhere in between. Uh, yeah. Do you have a checklist, a, a mind map, a progression That somebody can look at
1: just to start getting granular on some of these things yeah we put something together and i guess we'll post it somewhere to put the website but it's called sellyouraum.com s-e-l-l-y-o-u-r-a-u-m.com we don't put it out there for the public but obviously we'd like to get to know you better whether you're ready now or in 10 years and and we'll give you our checklist of exactly what you need to do to prepare whether you use us or not uh, maybe you will, maybe you won't. But the thing of it is, you're going to want this anyway because you're going to go down this path. We've done so many transactions. Even if you do it with another advisor, you're going to want this for your own protection. Okay, makes sense. And we'll come back to that at the end for sure. Uh, I'm curious back to the
0: uh, client acquisition engine. We've gone quite far down the path on AI, but also on client testimonials. Does that type of energy getting getting clients to chime in and talk about how indispensable their financial professional and team and how much they appreciate the practice and the process, does that add any bona fide impact?
1: Yes. uh, I'm not going to say that the general consumer is dumb, even though I just said it. I'm going to say that the general consumer is easily swayed by what they see, read, and hear on the old intranet. And the fact is, Everyone watching this, you've done it yourself. You went out to dinner, you looked at Thai food, you went to Yelp. It said 4.4 stars, et cetera, et cetera, you picked it. If you look at your kids, those of you that have kids in their 20s, they'll almost do nothing without looking at ratings on TripAdvisor when they go on a trip or whatever it may be. So when the SEC, FINRA changed a bunch of these rules around testimonials, number one, you're ludicrous not to be following the letter of the law in favor of you and having clients offer you up testimonials provided that your compliance department or your RIA or wherever says that you can do that. Number two, there are growing lead generation programs. The one I'm gonna give you today that we use is called Google Screened, Google Screened. So when you Google something up, the third in line is gonna be organic search, right? Comes up because you have length and time on the internet. The second thing that will come up are sponsored ads. These are companies like could be Raymond James or Merrill Lynch and that they're buying your keywords when somebody searches for you so they can come up as a sponsored ad. But if you look above it now, you'll see a thing that says Google screened. And what happens is you can sign up for this and the more reviews you have, Duncan, the more credibility from the internet, whatever we want to call that it is, the more leads Google will send you. So what do you think people are going to do when they're searching for financial advisor near me? It's going to come up. It's going to show five people at the top that all have 36 five-star reviews. Then it's going to have sponsored ads. Then it's going to have organic. So even though you've been around for 20 years and everybody knows your name in town, they probably won't even be able to see you on the screen. We paid on average, Duncan, for those leads around $115 a lead. Conversion rate is three to one. Would you pay $350 for a client? Yeah, all day long. I mean, I don't know what investment you can't. Hey, look, even if you own NVIDIA, you wouldn't have done better owning NVIDIA than you would have buying leads for $115. I just don't, you know, it's the cheapest thing. So that's why reviews in part, Duncan, are so powerful. And I think, as you mentioned, AI, down the road, AI is what it is. It's a robot. And over time, it's going to be influenced too, By influencers, right? Like who's the one that's got the most stars. So it's going to say, who's the best advisor in Charlotte? And now it's saying things like, I can't give you enough information today. In the future, it's going to say it's Duncan. Duncan got 76 five-star reviews. He's often noted as one of the best people (laughs) in Charlotte as an advisor. It's only a matter of time. It's just the way robots are influenced. We saw it with Google and the way it does search, which is mini robotic, and it will happen with AI as well. That's just my view.
0: So so back to your checklist and your, your protocol, I mean, let's just say I come to you and I say, Ted, you know, I want to, I'm not in a panic, but I want to get my house in order. 12, 24, 36 months would be ideal. Do you walk a financial advisor through these different nuances to get
1: themselves ready and predisposed for yeah. a, a maximized output? So we're we're um, I think we're smart about how we do it. We would charge a consulting fee to give people uh, a real roadmap on how to get there and how to maximize value. But then we're like what we tell advisors to do, which is outsource. Right? If they need coaching, they got to go to somebody like you. If they need marketing, we've got a handful of marketing companies that we think know what they're doing. You know, if they need psychological help, well, you know, we'll see where we can help with that as well. But you know, the whole point of it is. We're not doing the implementation on all of it, but we're providing that roadmap. We'll do what's right. called to be a quality of earnings report and really get the books to be looking good. We have a bookkeeping company that can handle all that. But you know, then you got to hire the experts to help you where you have your most pain. If it's practice management or building a model to figure out how to get to ideal client, you know, you can help with that. If it's somebody that needs digital marketing, we know a bunch of companies that know what they're doing with digital marketing. That's terrific. Um, We're spending a lot of time with our clients around intellectual property,
0: creating content, thought leadership, reputational equity, all of that. AI has been just beyond a game changer to help them do that. I've got to think that um, the whole component around reviews, testimonials, video, through the lens of the client, that's got to be considered intellectual property
1: as well. So let me give you a big one now. And uh, I, I'm I'm currently working on this with compliance. So I, I, your compliance department may have proved it, but I believe the future in here for testimonials is a company called Vocal Video. Yeah, And you may have seen Vocal Video, but it's just like, this is easy. Yeah, and It's the way it is. Send it right to people's phone. They take a quick video, chop it up. All of a sudden you get all these video testimonials. And I believe Short form video, it's not forever, but at least the next five years, it's just it's such if you're not doing it, you're you're missing out in a big way. I completely agree. In fact, you know what? I'll do one for you,
0: and uh, if you feel compelled to do one for me, they're great. Vocal video, the beauty of it is easy. not too many clicks uh to get a client to actually create one uh, downloading the app and actually laying down. A video, but the authenticity, they feel organic. They don't feel overly uh, scripted or prepared. It just feels like somebody just chiming in saying, This is how I feel about this person. So, yeah, great point. I'm a big fan of vocal video as well. What else do we need to consider? You mentioned your uh, website, sellyouraum.com. What else can somebody find in there? They can schedule a conversation with your team to get their wheels yeah. in motion
1: what else can they find they'll be able to see uh the process of of, of what it would look like a lot of people want to know what's the time frame going to take what's the time commitment on my part you know does it take two months does it take eight months uh we list up all of the deals that have recently been closed so we can't put names or faces on it per se but you can see the uh the assets the revenue Ah, uh, what the deal look like, and then we have our own like fifteen minute pre done videos that if you want to see like a more detailed video about what we do and how we work, we we put together a longer sort of webinar and a shorter webinar that you can you can do on your own time at your own your own dime if you will, right? And uh, you know this can give you a feel about about where it is. The thing is that. You're going to have to get a valuation done at some point if your idea is to build a succession plan because you've got to know what you're going to actually put as a number. TBD is not a good idea. But in the end, the, the best value of your practice is when you go to market. I had an owner the other day who owned a garage door company and he was doing a couple million in profit. And he said, What do you think my company's worth? And I go, Whatever the street's willing to pay for it. well come on, you must have an idea. And I go, Well, I have an idea but you know I'm I that's not my job. My job is to get the most. Right? And that's number 1. Number 2 is I can get more if you're flexible on how we fill air in the balloon. So everyone should understand this in the time value of money. If you want 100% of your money day one cash at close, you're going to get less than you would if you take your cash over 2 years or if you agree that you can grow by 5% a year for the next three years. So not all hot air balloons are created alike. That's what people need to realize. You know, your flexibility and how the deal will go down can be accretive in the multiple that you get when you sell it. Does
0: a financial advisor who goes through this exercise, especially from a sell and stay perspective, become more attractive to their business owner clients in
1: terms of helping be an ally for their own liquidity event? A million, a million times. I Look, I'm not disrespecting anybody's knowledge or intellect that is watching Duncan and I do this or you're listening to us do this today. I'm sure, look, I have six advanced degrees in this business. I took every damn course from that college for financial planning. In the end, if you're dealing with business owners, the only way to get really good is to do this kind of stuff because then you get down to real tangible life knowledge is not things that you read in a book It's not about a 401k plan but it's it's helping your clients maximize their wealth and and duncan we don't often think as advisors how are we going to maximize our wealth what you hear more is i make 800 grand a year okay well how much money do you need to retire do you know and and if you sell and cap gains are 20 percent today do you know in 10 years what will happen if it's 40 percent if you double your business and in ten years cap gains go to forty percent, you you actually went backwards. You you went you you lost money. <laughs> so you know these are all questions about considerations of making more ordinary income versus having capital gains. The velocity of money in your pocket today, whether to swap stock or not. Like you could read it in a book, but until you do it. It's or at least you've gone through it. It's a huge, huge difference. You become much better advisor to your clients. Chad, I just got to say, every time we talk, I think you're at the top of your
0: game. And then we talk again a couple of months later and you've got new insights. Uh getting, so getting obviously, smarter, Duncan. <laughs> uh, well, and crowdsourcing through experience, right? Like right, you, you can't learn this in a simulator. You, you've you've got to get in there and uh very, very impressive. Quick recap. Uh, Sell your to get to know Ted and his team a little bit better. Um, Checklists on things to start to consider to demystify the track. Anything on client acquisition
1: uh, insights and innovations there? I will, uh, if you go and you put in your information, I will also give you my uh, free guide on my top 10 client acquisition techniques I'll give you a simple one that's in there that that nobody does, which is, I'll give you two, Duncan. I'll save the other eight. One is adopt a road. Everywhere, it's completely free to adopt a road in your municipality or township or city, wherever you are. It's free signage all the time. We adopted a road right near the office. People drive on that road all day long and they see the sign, oxygen, 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 oxygen. It's free branding. I got to go out twice a year and pick up some litter. It's good stuff anyway for the community two uh the oh yeah you know I if we're on video I show this to you but I really recommend that you get rid of business cards. it's just it's passe. I've gone to now a dot card. you could QR this if you're watching this and this is for the the uh, the company that I sell the uh, if I exit stage- left advisors where I do regular businesses. and when I have a card, Still, you'd think everybody would have one of these, but most people don't. And they say, what, what is that? And I say, just go to dot, dot, card. It's dot, dot, card is really what it is. <laughs> and, and I have all my information that's on here. And they can just import it into their phone. And so why do I got to spend money on business cards? People throw them in the garbage anyway. So, you know, these are just two of them. But all these little things are just mini game changers to make your firm more well-branded, bring in more clients and, and more leads. So that card, you don't dish those out. You hold it up wow. for somebody to take a shot of it, and then they have. Bucks.
0: It on the I got phone. one card. They QR it, and it's back in my wallet. All these little pieces create the full picture. So this is terrific. So again, scratching the service, but very uh, impressive. Ted, as always. So everybody, sellyouraum.com, Kick those tires. Get your hands on the checklist. Client Acquisition Guide, and book an exploratory conversation uh, with Ted's team just to think this through, get it out of your head, and then see where it goes. So, Ted, thank you very much. Uh, I appreciate all of
1: this. Any closing comments? No, I, I appreciate what you all do every day. I know, especially in an election year, Uh, And I don't mean just here. There are 64 elections around the world this year and lots of Politico turmoil. I mean, clients need you more than ever and don't ever believe that you know, when people tell you that you're you're overpaid and underworked, it's always the opposite. You're overworked and underpaid. You do a lot more than being an advisor. You're their family counselor. You're their therapist. You're worth every nickel. But start thinking about your business like a business. And it isn't just about cash flow. It's It's what this thing could be worth when you sell it one day. Well said. Okay. Thanks. We'll see you again soon. All right. Thanks.
2: Thank you for listening to Always On with Duncan McPherson, where our objective is to enable professionals to always be working on their business and on themselves. Want to learn more about Duncan and his team? Visit ParetoSystems.com. Don't forget to click the follow button below to be notified when new episodes become available. The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the hosts and or guests and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of Pareto Systems. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. This podcast is powered by Proudmouth, the influence accelerators. If you're like me and want to spend more time educating people and less time selling, Proudmouth helps turn Main Street experts like you into trusted mainstream authorities. They will help amplify your influence over a growing audience of magnetically attracted fans. Visit Proudmouth.com to learn more.